Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. I want to really endorse what Mark has said this morning because I've been in this church for the best part of 40 years (laughs) and um, we've never had a time like we have now and I know I've said that before but we haven't and there is a huge sense of expectation that has arisen over the last two to three years and I can see and I'm sure many of you can get a sense of anticipation and the church always grows in a time of peace is what it teaches in Acts and we're in a time of peace. We're in an opportunity to grow. And um, it's really is, it's very exciting days. And I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, and uh, this person was challenging us to, to, to ask God for things we've never had before. God, can we see on the earth things that we've never seen before? You know, can we see the impossible? And I think we're coming to a time because the days are dark because there's such darkness in the earth that we really need to see a move of God. We really need to see God's hand move. And it has to start somewhere within the body of Christ, because we are his representatives on earth. And as Mark said, this is the third season now, the third autumn season that we've gone through the book of Acts. We started in 2014, Acts about 1 to 7. And then last year we did Acts 7 to 13. And I actually finished the last series. We didn't plan it like that. It's just how it was. I finished the last series in Acts 13. And that's where I'm going to start today and pick it up again. But the first 12 books of the Acts of the Apostles is really about uh, Peter and it's about the early church and the growth of the early church and the gospel to the Jews. And then from verse 13 onwards, we get, uh, it's about Paul and it's about the spread of the church, the persecution and the spread of the church. And, and so it was a very good place to sort of stop last year and now to start again, um, looking at how the church spread, looking at mission. And what I really want to focus on today is just a couple of verses because I really want to dig deep into what it, what it means to be missional. Because we are all missional. Missions is not something like everybody going to Macedonia. That's only a part of it. And what I want to really try and help us all to understand this morning, because Mark has already said it, this is for all of us. This is for every single one of us who calls themselves a believer in Jesus Christ. And God is looking for people that he can use. And we we know that he wants to use us here. And so chapter 11, we read about the stoning of Stephen and the persecution of the church. And then it's scattered um, to um, Cyprus and to Antioch. And um, uh, Paul and Barnabas, sorry, yes, Saul, he was still Saul then, he wasn't Paul. Saul and Barnabas went off to Antioch. And so I just want to look at the first few opening verses of Acts 13 this morning and it says now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers Barnabas Simeon who was also called Niger Lucius of Cyrene Manium a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul and while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them Mm -hmm. and what I want to really focus on this morning is 
what does it mean to be set apart? And what does it mean to be called? If we can really understand what that means, then we can see how God will use us. People think that uh, missions is generally about thinking about going somewhere. That's only a tiny part of it. And what we have to bear in mind is that all those people who've gone to Macedonia this weekend wanted to go. I remember when I lived in New Zealand, a friend, the girl I flatted with, she used to say to me, I'm afraid to give my all to God in case he calls me to Africa. I said, do you want to go to Africa? And she said, no. I said, well, he won't call you to go then. You know, it has to come out of your desire. So some people, when I went to Africa, I wanted to go. It was burning in my heart to go. I really wanted to go. When I went to New Zealand, I really wanted to go. When I came back to this country, I really wanted to come. You know, it wasn't torture. This is what the desire of my heart was at that time. And so people, some people will go. And I believe the church will open up other opportunities. Who knows? Actually, I wouldn't mind going to Rwanda if we go to Rwanda. You know, uh, do I want to go away long term now? No, I don't. But do I want to go away short term? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to go to Rwanda. So it is for some people to go, but that can't be for everybody. If we think of a definition of a missionary, um, it's a member of a religious sect called to an area to evangelize or to perform ministries of service such as education, literacy, social justice, healthcare, and economic development. And so whilst we wouldn't say people have gone to Macedonia missionaries, in a sense they are because they've gone out there to help with some kind of social economic development and to encourage the church out there. So they've gone on a mission, if you like. Um, And the one thing that characterised them, as I say, is that they all wanted to go. Um, So we also have a mission field right here. What have we got in Bromley? 330,000 people or something? 260,000 in Croydon, where I live. We've got a mission field right here. So it's not about going somewhere geographically. It's about a concept. And it's about the concept of being set apart and being called. And if you're a believer this morning, you have a calling. You have a calling, but to what and for what? You know, historically in the church, we think only people who go somewhere geographically have a calling or people who go into nursing have a calling or people who go into teaching and have a calling but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ you have a calling and we need to understand to what and for what and it really doesn't matter whether you're full-time in the church like Mark is it doesn't matter whether you're full-time in secular work like I am it doesn't matter if you don't go to work and you're a stay-at-home mum looking after your kids Your calling is not related to what you do. It's related to your relationship to God. And your relationship to God, your calling comes out of your relationship to God. I am just as passionate about my job as Mark is about the church. Why? Because that's what God has gifted me and called me to do. And you might be just as passionate about being a stay-at-home mum to bring your children up in the way that they should go as we are about what we do. Your calling doesn't come out of what you do. It comes out of who you are and who you are in God. And that's why we have to pray. That's why we have spiritual disciplines. That's why we have the values that we have. Because as we change and grow ourselves, we realise that um, God is actually developing and maturing something in us. 
I actually feel like I'm in the prime of my life. Not age-wise, but spiritually-wise, because of all the years of experience and and things that God has built into me. I feel like I'm in my prime now. I feel like I could slay a giant. I really do. (laughs) Coming, Goliath. (laughs) I really do, because why I've had a lifetime of building on what God has done in my life and my relationship with him. And so um, I want you to ask this question about yourself this morning. Is the world a better place because you're in it? Is the world a better place because you're in it? Is the world a better place because I'm in it? Is my place of work a better place because I'm in it? Is the church a better place because you're in it? Is your place, is your home a better place because you're in it? Because everywhere you go, you take Jesus. But how much of Jesus do you let be seen in the place that you are? Are you a contributor to the world or are you a consumer? Is it just all about what I can get or is it all about what I can give? Because wherever we are, we're God's opportunity. Whether you're standing in the queue at Tesco's waiting to pay for your shopping or whether you're parking your car out there or whether you are now waiting at the tram stop because you have a free travel pass like I do. (laughs) Wherever you are, you're God's opportunity. If you don't understand your sense of calling, your sense of being set apart and how special you are, you'll miss God's opportunity. And even though God works in us, we have a responsibility, as Mark spoke earlier, to position ourselves. We have a responsibility to ensure that we're in the best place to hear God and the best place to do what God wants us to do. And you know, if you have a skill or a talent or you know there's something you're good at, then it's your responsibility to refine it and hone it and and do the best you can with everything that you have in your hands to serve God with. Biblical researchers have calculated that Jesus walked 3,125 miles during his three-year ministry. So by far, Jesus spent more time out in the highways and byways. He met people in their place of work. So he talked to the fishermen, he talked to the tax collector. He, met, he talked to people on his travels, he talked to the woman at the well, and he also talked in the synagogue. You know, whether you come to this place for three services on a Sunday, you will still only be spending about four hours in here out of your whole week. And we need to be God's opportunity out there in the highways and byways, wherever God has put you, because wherever you are, I'm not. And wherever I am, you're not. So I have a responsibility in the place that I am, in the job that I am, in the role that I am, with all the people who are in my world, to be Jesus to them to be God's opportunity to them because you're not there and I'm not where you are. And therefore we need to understand what it means to be set apart because um, we can be set apart in a place but actually we also need to be set apart in a mindset. We need to be set apart in a way of thinking. We need to be set apart in a way of behaving and ultimately being set apart is a choice. I choose to set myself apart unto God And so I want to consider quickly this morning, and I will keep to time, and I know we've got to do an offering, 
Uh, I want to just consider five things quickly about what it means to be called, what it means to be set apart. The scripture said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work for which I have called them. Setting apart means to separate off and to put boundaries around it. Set something apart, separate it off, put boundaries around it and give it limited exclusion. And to be called, and I thought this was really interesting, this word called means to call to oneself. So God, when he calls us, is calling us to himself. He's not calling us to a task. He's not calling us to a job. He's calling us to himself. And out of being called to him comes what you do. It means to usher. To call means to usher. God wants to usher us into his presence. And so God's call on us is for all of us to usher us into his presence, to get close to him so that out of being close to him will come what we do. So you can see why everybody has a calling if you're a believer. And then he wants to set us apart. So therefore, he doesn't want us to... to, um, He wants to set us apart in our mind. He wants to set us apart in our behaviours. And this is to say then, to be set apart has to have some boundaries. Some things will be included in our lives and some things will be excluded in our lives. Some things are healthy, some things are unhealthy. Some things are permissible and some things are not. Some things are, will build us up and some things will destroy us. Out of our relationship with God, God will help us to set our boundaries. But the boundaries are all in here. Yeah, yeah. If you want to get there quicker, the boundaries are in here. And so this is not about God being a killjoy. This is about God giving us abundant life. Why do the sheep go in a pen to protect them from wolves? Not to say to them, you can't go in that field. God says, when when a shepherd puts his sheep in a pen or in a walled field, it's to protect them from something. So when God puts boundaries around our lives, it's to protect us from things that will destroy us. It's to give us life. Life is found within God's boundaries and abundant life, not just life, abundant life. There's a narrow gate, there's a wide gate. We go through the narrow gate in order to get the abundance. You go through the wide gate in order to get death, spiritual death. And so God wants us to to be set apart in so many ways. Uh, There are people in the world who think being set apart means to go in a monastery or to go in a nunnery. But actually, if we all did that and hid away, how is the world going to know about Jesus? So we need to be in the world, but not corrupted by the world. And then to be in the world and not corrupted by the world means that when God sets his boundaries around us, enables us to stand firm. So to be set apart, we must have disciplines. And we've talked about spiritual disciplines as one of our values in here. So let's just consider quickly five things about our calling then. The first thing is um, our call... Oh, sorry. Uh, Every calling has a purpose. Every calling has a purpose. It said called according to his purpose. And therefore, every calling has a purpose. It has an intention Romans um, 8.28, for we know that all things work together for good to him, for good to them that love God, to them that are called according 
to his purpose. So we're called to something um, and we're called towards something. That word um, uh, purpose means intention. So we're called towards God's intention, God's plan for the world when we draw close to him. Now, interestingly, that word purpose also means showbread. For those of you who know the Old Testament, there was a table um, in the tabernacle and on the table they would put showbread. And the purpose of putting the showbread there was a reminder to everybody, to remind them of who God was and what he has done. And um, it's always, and it says um, in Exodus, it said, thou shalt set out the table of showbread before me always. So we need to have that constant reminder of who God is and what God has done in our lives. And that alone will help to set some boundaries around us. We need that constant reminder and we'll get that constant reminder if we're part of a body. If we're here regularly, if we're fellowshipping together, if we're talking about um, a Jesus, if he's part of everything that we say and do. And in the Greek, in the New Testament, the word called is kletos. Um, and especially that word means an invitation to man to accept salvation. So God wants to usher us toward him and he wants to offer us salvation. And for most people in this room, I know that we have accepted salvation. So we need to know that every calling has a purpose. The second thing is we're called into fellowship. It says, God is faithful to whom you were, by, sorry, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. So we're called to a relationship. We're called into fellowship. Fellowship means participation or partnership or communion. We're called into partnership with Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be great to go into partnership with God? I mean, you can move mountains. If you're in partnership with God, then everything God is and God does can be possible because we're his partner on earth. So this is saying God is calling us into partnership with him, into fellowship with him. God wants to draw us close. Um, at the women's breakfast, um, Eliana White, it was an incredible, incredible talk. Is it on the podcast? Yeah. So guys, if you want to listen to that as well, is really, really helpful. Um, and one of the things that she said, <coughs> which just particularly struck me, was she said, the closer you get to someone, the cleaner you have to be. And she was relating the story of when her husband goes out for a jog and he comes back two hours later and he's pouring with sweat and then he wants to give her a hug. She says, no, go and get in the shower first. Go and get in the shower first. And she related that spiritually you know, the closer you get to someone, the cleaner you need to be and the cleaner you want to be. You know, you guys who in your marriage, you'll know that. And I know with my brothers that, you know, you don't want to be standing next to someone who's got dog breath or someone who hasn't had a shower. You don't want to get close to them. The closer you get to someone, the more intimate you get to someone, the cleaner you want to be. And so it is with God. I want to please God because I want to be close. And I don't want there to be a barrier there of things that I've done that will keep me away from him. So we're called into a relationship. And there's a parable in um, Matthew 22 um, of the man who was invited to the wedding banquet, but he didn't have a wedding garment on. 
And as a result, he was made to leave. And Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. What is he saying? The lesson in this parable is saying something, someone is called by God, but the person has a responsibility to respond to the calling and make spiritual changes. This man turned up to the wedding without his wedding garment. And the, and the, and the people at the wedding said, you have to leave. Because when you come to the wedding, you have to be appropriately dressed. And the garment speaks of righteousness, doesn't it? We wear a robe of righteousness. And so God was saying here that whilst God might want to usher many people in, actually there's got to be some changes. There's got to be some changes in our lives in order for us to be able to put on the righteousness and to be Jesus, to make a difference wherever we are in the world. Um, Job said, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. And Revelation says, um, 19.8, to the church it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. Linen speaks of the righteousness, the righteous acts of the saints. So as we get drawn into that fellowship with God, as we get closer to him, the cleaner we want to be in his sight because he can't look upon sin. The cleaner we want to be in his sight, the more we will work on our spiritual disciplines and the more we will be changed into his likeness because he's partnering with us. It's like, and and this goes back into the Old Testament, but when two oxen were yoked, they had to have the same size yoke Otherwise, one would be pulling one way, one would be pulling the other way. If they weren't the same size with the same size yoke, one would get their neck rubbed and one wouldn't be able to function. You have to have, in order for us to be effective in partnership with God, we need to be like him in order to reflect him into the world. And we'll never get perfect on this earth. I know we won't, but we certainly need to be heading in that right direction with things that we know we can change in our lives. So one of our values is spiritual discipline. It says, worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. When we come to earthquake, we should expect God to say something. Worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. If we're going to be in partnership with God, we need to be like him. Third thing, we're called out of something into something. There's movement There has to be movement, movement in our thinking, movement in our actions, movement in our behaviour. There has to be a a movement. It says we are called out of darkness into his marvellous light. This indicates movement into truth. Who is it that teaches us and reveals truth to us? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not me or any. We can present truth to you, but the Holy Spirit will reveal it to your heart as truth. And we get a lot of truth in this church. Every week we get truth in this church. But only the Holy Spirit can uh, help you to understand the truth of God in you. Jesus said this. He said, he's the only person who has ever said this. No other God, no other religion has said this. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody else has ever said that. I remember a colleague at work who's retired now. Um, she got her free bus pass earlier than me. But um, <laughs> she, she, I remember all her life, when she was due to retire, she said to me, I have never, ever found a job in my life that I've been happy with. And I thought that was really sad. But knowing this person, she does not believe there's any such thing as ultimate truth. 
And I challenged her one day and I said, do you believe in ultimate truth? And she said, no, there's lots of things that are right. There's lots of right ways. And whenever we would discuss things over the years that we worked together, we'd go from this end of the continuum to that end of the continuum, but she'd never settle on an answer. And she told me that I was too... Uh, restrictive and too limiting in my life to actually settle on truth when any part of this could be truth. But Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So what do we do when we hear truth? How do we respond to truth? You know, we give challenges from the platform, but anytime you hear truth, what do you do with it? It's like another layer on your spiritual self and it should add something to you. If we hear truth this morning, we should be different when we go out the door. Truth will change us and truth will have an impact on us. How do we respond to Jesus? Uh, We have to make a decision after we hear the word of truth. We need to trust God and believe in Jesus. And then it becomes sealed by the Holy Spirit as truth in us. We cannot just accept the calling of God and continue to live our lives the way we want to. Because you won't hear truth if you're determined to just continue on your own road, even though you say you're a believer. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Paul says very clearly um, that we have responsibilities. Therefore, he says in Colossians, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put things on. He says, put on tenderness and kindness and humility and meekness and long-suffering. Um, For as Christ forgave you, so you must also. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which you are also called in one body. We're called to peace. We're called to be thankful. We're called to put on stuff in our life as we walk through our spiritual disciplines. So we are called out of one set of behaviours into a new set of behaviours that mimic God. As we change, I've got a friend, one friend who um, I've been friends with since I was seven. And um, I didn't become a believer till I was 21. And so whenever she's around or another people around, she says, if you really want to know what Deborah was really like, I can tell you, she'd say, because I knew her in her teenage years. I'm nowhere like that person now. You know, completely changed, completely transformed. You wouldn't have even wanted to know me in those days because God changes us and moves us on. So we become more like him. So worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Um, While the church was engaged in spiritual disciplines, God spoke. Do you know what? It never ceases to amaze me how when we apply our hearts to him, he will speak. I do not have any problem hearing God. I hear God pretty much on a daily basis. I hear him in maybe something someone says to me. I hear him in maybe something I read. I hear him in something that I see. I hear God every day. Um, And I've learned to cultivate an environment for God to speak into my life. Um, At work, we have a fleet of cars. And um, sometimes I go out in the cars. And whichever car I choose, as soon as I get in the car, the radio will come on. And whoever was in that car before me will have put it to the station that they want it on. So sometimes I get in a car and it's on Kiss FM. Sometimes I get in a car, it's on Radio 4. Sometimes I get in a car and it's Classic FM. So whoever was in that car before me created the atmosphere within that car. And when I get in, I have a choice. I can either change the channel 
and put what I want on and create the atmosphere that I want. And spiritually, it's like that. So when I go out in the cars, I've usually got a CD in my bag or a podcast or something I want to listen to. And if I haven't, I turn it off. Because I want to create an atmosphere where God can speak to me. So just like the radio in the car has an aerial up to all the radio stations, I want to have my aerial up to God all the time. And my radio wave needs to connect to God. I don't want these other noises coming into my mind. I'm not saying I don't listen to the radio. I'm just using it as an example. That if I position myself, if you position yourself, if you get your radar positioned in the right place, you'll hear God every day. It's not difficult. And he longs to speak to us. He wants to speak to us more than we want to listen to him. And therefore, we need to position ourselves and learn to hear God. And if you don't know how to hear God, then you can learn in a small group. You can get together with other people. You can study together. You can practice listening to God. But I love more than anything to get up really early in the morning, to go into my study in the quietness of that early morning, before even the birds are up sometimes. Not you. (laughs) And just listen. Just listen to the quietness. Just listen to the silence. I love silence and I love solitude. And the ministry that you have will come out of your closeness to God. This is one of my favourite scriptures, Proverbs 8.34. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my door, waiting at my doorway, for those who find me find life and receive favour from the Lord. This is the picture. God, I'm listening. Have you ever put a glass up to the wall to hear what's going on next door? It's that kind of thing. I haven't, haven't. This is the picture. God, I'm waiting, I'm listening. I'm yearning my ear toward you, God, speak to me. And when we do that, we will hear God. I don't believe, God, you can hear God in the mess of your day. Sometimes you can, but God wants to speak to us. And so therefore, if I wanted to speak to Mark, it's no good me shouting from Croydon to Bromley. I've got to phone him up. I've got to meet with him. And sometimes we expect God to just invade our world instead of making that opportunity for God to speak to us directly. Silence and solitude is something that Jesus practiced in order to hear the Father. Quickly moving on, a calling needs to be future-focused. Revelation says, who was and is and is to come. One of the things my CEO at work often reminds me about is he said, you need, to sh- you need to future-proof what you're doing. You need to future-proof. Don't plan for the here and now. Don't recruit for the here and now. Don't think in the here and now. Future-proof what you're doing. So everything I do in my job, I'm planning for next year. I'm planning for the year after. I'm planning what it'll look like when we're twice the size we are now. God is a... Our calling is related to the future. Who was and is and is to come. And so we need to bear in mind with whatever God is calling us to do, um, it's going to be for the future. The church is only what it is today because of the people who went before us. And we should be willing to plant trees under whose shade we will not sit because other people will. I have a responsibility to leave the church in a state for other people to grow into as a leader in the church and at some stage in the future I will step out of this role because someone else will step into it 
And I have a responsibility to ensure that the church is future-proofed, if you like, that everything we're doing now and the whole purpose of going to a third service is for the future. We're planning for growth. We're planning for development. We've got our eyes further than beyond today and even beyond the end of this year. We have to future-proof what we do in order to fulfil the calling that God has for us. Movement always precedes multiplication. And we've got to move ourselves corporately and individually ready to do what God wants us to do. And I think individually we've got to move in our thinking about what mission all means, what it means to be called, what it means to be set apart. Our influence in the world today and in the church can have long-term consequences for the future of generations to come. I don't have any children of my own, but I want to influence the future of yours. I want to be in a position to influence the future um, for the next generation and the generation after. I think the generation now in their 20s have a far greater, harder time than I had when I was in my 20s. Our calling, we have to think bigger than the here and now. And the last one is um, our calling. We are called chosen and faithful. He is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and those who are with him are called, chosen and faithful. Church, we have a responsibility to do something with what God has done with us. And whoever you are and whatever you're doing, God wants to use that and it will come as you get closer to him. As you get closer and we get closer and we get cleaner, it will come out of who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.